Glad you're here with us uh, physically and those that are with us online. Uh, you may think, you know, that last uh, the song that the choir so beautifully led, so so powerful and, and sweet and um, glorious and beautiful, that that's just, that's, you know, the, the church as uh, of flesh and blood that they were singing about is just equally as sweet and uh, um, uh, the fellowship never has disagreements or troubles or problems at all. And uh, I know we may present that way, but that's totally false. So we're in this. When it gets into the nice sweetness of being one in Christ together, um, uh, we uh, need to learn how to disagree. To, to disagree agreeably. And to recognize that disagreements do occur. And one of the key things we have to do, and this title has brought a lot of consternation to a lot of people. We need to agree about what we disagree. Because a lot of times we're disagreeing and we don't even agree about what we're disagreeing about. We're disagreeing about different things in our minds. Um, read this story about uh, a little seafood place in Huntsville, Alabama. This was several years ago. And it was a seafood buffet and uh, the crab legs were delayed in getting to the buffet. And so there were folks in line waiting, folks at their table waiting for the crab legs to come out. And just as the kitchen opened with the glorious crab legs, oh, a, a gentleman in one of the tables close got up and started walking towards the buffet table. And as he walked closer to it, people that were in line, they, they were Looking at him, sort of gasping, whispering. And then, of course, then somebody, a couple folks, you know, stood up and went in front of him saying, what are you doing? You can't do that. And as that's happening, the crab legs go down and they're sort of pushing and tussling. And folks are now going through the crab line, crab legs line. And the people that were tussling with God realized they lost their place in line. So they now get back in line, breaking in. And then plates start flying. Crab legs are ruined. And when they finally got with the gentleman and said, what was going on? He goes, I was just going to the bathroom. (laughs) They did not, they were not disagreeing uh, about the same thing. They needed to first recognize and agree about what they were disagreeing. And in the the church, uh, we we, we need to not only understand what we're disagreeing about, but understand what the, the... The issues are and how it fits in God's larger plan. Um, We need to recognize there are things worth fighting about. And then there are things that they they really don't matter. Um, In the the, the book, The Body by Chuck Colson, um, he tells the story of a church in New England that was changing some of the ways they were doing communion. Some people liked it. Some people didn't. And uh, when um, they had these changes on that particular Sunday that they instituted those changes in the sanctuary, in the worship service. Somebody stood up in the congregation to protest. To say that they didn't, didn't like what, you know, it was some of the arrangements and how they were doing it. And, and then the, somebody in front of him turned around and told him, well, you need to sit down and be quiet. And at one point put his hand on his shoulder to sit him back down. And the other person didn't like that. And before you know it, during communion, punches were being thrown. And they say, it's in, in the book, uh, and 250, and in Chuck Colson's book, page 250, the body. And it's like, no, wait a minute. 
that those kind of things do not matter like that. That, and there's a, a recognition in the church that, yes, we're going to disagree. We're human beings. We will disagree. And so we need to understand that we, what we're disagreeing about and what level of disagreement is this. Let's, uh, we'll look, be looking at Romans chapter 14 here in a minute. Where the Apostle Paul, <clears throat> in his letter to the church in Rome, sort of talks about that. What are these disputable matters where we disagree? And then how then do we disagree agreeably? Let's, uh, let's pray together. Almighty God, we do give you thanks for your written word as it speaks to us. Thank you as we gather together. Speak to us, lead us, guide us, empower us to do your bidding. To carry out your plans in the way that you would want us to do them. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Um, I, I get uh, a lot of this initial stuff from uh, two professors at Biola University, um, Tim Mulhoff and Richard Langer. Um, they wrote a really good book along these lines called Winsome Convictions. And you can uh, grab that if you want to jump into it a little bit further. But I took from them, uh, there's three basic levels in our uh, disagreements, particularly in the church. And a lot of this is very church-centered. Um, but I, I think as we go through it, you'll catch some principles that also could apply at school, at work, in any other um, uh, uh, arrangement, social arrangement, which we find ourselves in disagreement. Uh, but uh, they, he, he, they present a spectrum of conviction. And there's levels of that spectrum of conviction. There, there is, at the core, foundational truths. The, the, the core, the, the bedrock truth that we affirm together in unity. Uh, for, for us, um, we have, as a, a member of the Covenant Order of Evangelical Presbyterians, we have the essential tenets. Uh, that present to us. These are our foundational bedrock truths um, that uh, we affirm. Uh, and actually, on your way out, if you're interested, we've got a little one-pager that uh, summarizes those essential tenets and even the web address where you can go find uh, the, the larger booklet that, that outlines those essential tenets. And we might even, I'm not sure, we have, may have some technical difficulties. I think we may even have a little picture here to remind us of uh, what a foundation looks like. You, know, you got a building, the foundation is on this building. This is what is bedrock for, and I think even in the song that we're, as a church, we're built on the foundation of Jesus. Um, uh, and our understanding of the, uh, uh, in the essential tenets that we, we affirm the mystery of the Trinity, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We, we affirm together the, the mystery that, that Jesus came among us. He is fully divine and fully human. And he came among us to rescue us from sin and to enable any and all that will follow him to be in right relationship with God. And we uh, affirm that our authority, our, our sacred text together, uh, what leads and guides us in the ways of God is the Bible. That, that is what we go to for our, tr the, the truth that God has revealed to us. 
Uh, there's, there's also uh, moral mandates, commands that come down to us. Like what we just heard in our prayer of confession. Where Jesus says, the, he answers the question, what's the greatest commandment? Love God with all your heart, mind, strength, and soul. Love your neighbor as yourself. These, these become the distinguishing marks of those who call themselves Christians. And those that don't. That don't affirm those things. So that, but that's the, the foundation of what we affirm. These are things that folks, as they become members of the church or, or covenant partners, we call them. These are the things that we say, well, this is what we believe. Do you believe and want to join with a group of community of folks that are built on this foundation? This is who we are. Well, that's the, the first level of the spectrum of conviction. And we're not talking about that today. That um, uh, is it's worth talking about and how we disagree about those uh, with others, but that's not the subject today. Now, the, the foundation, these core bedrock moral mandates also require a little more clarification, a little more specificity, um, you know, particularly about you know, the, the vision of what maybe it would look like to follow these core beliefs. It uh, highlights Maybe even our underlying motivation. So these, these core values. Um, for example, uh, in the Gospel of Luke, when Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? And he tells them, love God with all your heart, mind, strength, love your neighbor as yourself. A clarifying question was asked. Well, who's my neighbor? And then Jesus tells a story and he answers that question. Yeah, Jesus, he just does not get our need for clarity and specificity. Just give me some exactly what this is. He tells a story that uh, many of you know about the good Samaritan. To which at the end he says, well, who was the neighbor? The neighbor was the one who showed mercy to the one that was in need. So we, but we have these, these core values come to, to give us a little more guidance, uh, to, to give a little more flesh on the, these foundational truths. Um, it, it's sort of like if you think, go back to the building analogy. You know, you have the foundation, and then uh, the, the next thing you have are what's the, the core structure? You know, the, the outer walls, the roof, the load-bearing walls. I think we have a picture of building that might look like that you know so this is the the core built on the foundation these are the the core values the the things that help the the building now to stand strong and firm now so for us uh, some of the, the the things again that come from the scriptures that that we as god's people are to care for the vulnerable you hear regularly from beginning to end uh, some combination that God's people care for the poor, the widow, the orphan, and the immigrant. Just over and over again. That, that's a core value that we see in the scriptures. That we understand that God created human beings in God's image. And that's a core value that therefore we value every single human being because they are created in God's image. So those, those are the exterior walls, you know, those are those interior load bearing walls. That's the, the, the roof, um, and, and the, 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 the structure are the core values. 
But even, and, but, but it, with these core values, we agree on these values. But then we disagree about how to apply them. What is the best way to love my neighbor? What, what is the, the, the best way to love the orphan, the widow, the, the Im- immigrant and the poor? And, you know, we can't do it all at once. How do you prioritize those things? Often we start with the same core values, but we end with a different conclusion. And that's the third stop on this spectrum of conviction. We, we go from the foundation to the core values, then to personal convictions. The contextual application of these foundations and core values. You know, which is what you get with a completed building. You know, the foundation is there. You got the stuff that makes the structure, but then it, it looks different. I think we've got a picture of the completed building. You know, the facade and the windows and the colors, those are very different. They could look very different with the same foundation and the same structure. As a matter of fact, you, we could even change or paint a lot of those colors on the outside and on the inside. And it's still, at the core, same building. How do we care for the immigrant, the poor, the widow, the orphan? How do we value and honor all human beings? These are then the questions that require our contextual application, our own personal conviction to know how we fulfill these common foundational core values. But the contextual application in our lives may be different, even though we have the same foundation and the same structure. This is where... We have to learn to disagree agreeably. First, recognizing that we can disagree about personal convictions, this contextual application. And Paul, as I said earlier in Romans 14, gives us some guidance then. How do we walk through these places, these situations in which we have different personal convictions flowing from a common understanding, a foundation, and core value. Um, if you, uh, you can follow along on the screen, um, we'll read through some of the sections of Romans 14 um, and uh, just give a little comment about how it applies in this situation. Romans 14, verses 1 through 4. I'll read it and then I'll give some, some comments uh, to it. Because there's some things here that at first, at first glance are rather odd and unusual and bring up a whole lot of questions. Uh, Romans 14, uh, verse 1. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains. And let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats. For God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls. And he will be upheld. For the Lord is able to make him stand. 
Now, the first thing that uh, we see in this paragraph from Paul is that there are disputable matters that relate to things like opinions or what have been calling personal convictions. And we have to determine in our disagreements, is this a disputable matter? Now, this is a disputable matter in the first century church. Uh, Let's remember back what was going on in the church in Rome. Church, Rome, cosmopolitan. Uh, they're folks from all backgrounds, Jews and Gentiles. This is about 30 years after Jesus' um, resurrection and ascension. So this is still the first generations of the church coming together. And so you had people who were Jewish in background, like Paul, who wrote this, who kept, you know, all the, the, the laws of uh, the Hebrew scriptures and which told them what they could eat and not eat and different sacrificial system and those kind of things. A lot about the clothes that they wore and stuff, stuff like that. And Jesus comes on the scene as the Messiah, the one who is prophesied in the Hebrew scriptures and says, I have completed all of those laws, all of those commands, that sacrificial system, no longer have to follow them, follow me. And Paul it was like one of those Jews who said, okay, uh, you are the Messiah that was promised by Abraham and Moses and David and Isaiah. So I'm going to follow you and I believe you. You've completed all that. Your death and resurrection has completed and fulfilled all these laws. I no longer have to, to keep those and I'm going to follow you. There, there were also Gentiles. Pagans, folks that were atheists, they came, they experienced Jesus and they said they wanted to come follow him. Now they had no rules and guidelines like the Jews did, so they could come and eat whatever they wanted and be a follower of Jesus. But you also had a population of folks who were Jewish who could not give up those rules, those guidelines, those traditions. Their grandparents had done it, the grandparents before them, and they'd always done it. And it was just too difficult to release those rules. As a basic example, they just never could bring themselves to eat bacon. Other people were like, hey, we can eat bacon now. Great. So you've got these different groups. Now, what Paul uses, he uses, when he talks about the weak, those are the people who are still, they, they can't leave their traditions. Uh, they, they, they can't bring themselves to believe that Jesus truly has conquered and fulfilled the law and they no longer need to fulfill it. They just can't bring themselves to that point. Others, like I said, Paul and the Gentiles, they're, they're great, man. They're going to get a baconator at Wendy's after the service. But that's the disagreement that they're having. And get this, get this, a couple things to, to notice here. One is somebody's more right than the other. Jesus has come. He has f- fulfilled the law. It's, it's done and over and Paul's living that way. But Paul is telling him that isn't what matters. That's not the highest good. The highest good is for you to honor and respect one another. And we'll get to that in a minute. But that's what's going on here. This is a disputable matter. He tells, no, let those, if those guys want to be, want to just eat vegetables, go right ahead. If you want to eat bacon, go right ahead. There, this is a personal conviction, a contextual application of the foundations and core values of what it means to follow Jesus applied in this moment in your life at this time. 
It's a disputable matter. So the first thing you have to determine, is this a disputable matter? Then the the second thing is you must, uh, you individually have to decide before God how you are going to respond to God. You got to seek God's direction for your personal conviction. Verses uh, 5 through 12. One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. Again, so that's the notion of the Sabbath and all the the, the, the different uh, sacrificial days that they had been keeping. Those Some still kept those special days. Others, all days are the same. So it's sort of the same principle, just about days, not about bacon. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God. While the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then whether we live or whether we die, we're the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be the Lord, both of the dead and the living. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of you will give an account of himself to God. So so the second point that Paul is bringing out here is that we are to seek God's direction for our own personal conviction in these disputable matters. The first thing. That we have to do, each of us have to do, we gotta do the work of studying the scriptures that we hold as foundational. We gotta do the work of, of, of pursuing Jesus and understanding the character of Jesus and, and praying to God for, for the Spirit's leading God. We gotta do that work when it comes to the personal convictions, to the application of these foundational truths in our lives. So that we can be secure before God, as, as he says here. Each one of us must be convinced in our own mind before the Lord because the Lord is the one to whom we will answer. Uh, you'll, you notice in verse 10 and in verse 3, he, he, he says this twice in these two, two paragraphs, that we're not to despise or judge one another. Now, for judge, the, the word for, for judge here is the word condemn. Yeah, what, what he means by when he says you don't want to judge each other is you don't want to condemn somebody to hell. In other words, because they don't have the same personal conviction as you, because they're not eating bacon, you can't say, well, then you're not a Christian. You're going to hell. And, and you're not to, to judge one another at that, at that level. You're not to, to despise one another, to belittle them. Uh, you can uh, see that how... Those that were the weak ones, they, the ones that were saying, no, th- we still need to follow these things. They might be judging those who are now fr- feeling like they're freed to, to go eat what they want and to worship when they want. And the, those that were holding on to that might judge them and say, no, they, they're lost. They're not following God. And the ones who now are living into this new freedom, they might be looking back at the others who are still stuck in their ways and despising them, belittling them, saying, yeah. They're, they're not as mature as us. 
And what Paul is saying, that's more important than where, whether you eat bacon or not. That's more important as to what day you call most valuable. Now, I think for us today in our age, one of the examples of disputable matters that causes the most consternation that I've experienced in terms of leading in the church is politics. Who you vote for. What policies you, you affirm. That, that's where, those are disputable matters. Uh, matter of fact, there's not very much in the scripture at all about a representative democracy and having elections. They just didn't happen in Rome. And they, they didn't happen in ancient history before that. So there, there's nothing specific in here. It's a disputable matter. Where followers of Jesus can have the same foundation, the same core values. And they can be red, they can be blue, they can be purple, they can be green. In how they vote. In their personal convictions. The point, the, the, the challenge for us, though, is to recognize this is a disputable matter and to say, all right, where do I come from? How does this fit with the foundational truths and the core values with which we share? When we disagree about these disputable matters, it's not the core values and foundations that are in our crosshairs it's these personal convictions, the contextual application that we, before God, have come to the point of saying, we think this best fulfills God's plan and purpose. And what Paul at the end here, the last section, verses 17 through 19, he then gives us, and when this happens, when you recognize a disputable matter, when you've done the work of saying, this is my personal conviction, this is what I understand in this particular um, uh, disputable matter, then he gives us some more core values. Well, this is now how you are to act when you interact with one another, when you have uh, healthy conversations about uh, who you're going to vote for and why or what policies you think are more important. Verse 17 through 19. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then, let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. We're called in these disputable matters, in these times of disagreement, to peacefully build one another up, even in disagreement. We're we're not to make other teams We're all on Jesus' team. And we're to apply this in our lives and our interactions with one another. How do I honor? How do I respect the person with whom I disagree? We are not at war with one another. We we are not opponents at a debate with one another. We are brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ who believe all life is valuable, who believe God has called us together to support and respect one another, even when we disagree. Probably the core, the core skill to respect and honor one another, to peaceably lift one another up, to build one another up in times of disagreement, is simply listening. Simply listening to the other. 
The, the, the question is, all right, you came to this conclusion. You know, I'd love to hear how our, our, the foundation of our faith and the core values led you to this place. And, and to hear that, to take it in, when those conversations happen, you might learn something. And then for you to do the same, and maybe they'll learn something. If you learn nothing at all, it's that, huh, we're coming from exactly the same core values. We're coming from the same foundation, but we're applying it and seeing it because of our own history, our own perspective. We're coming, we, we see how to apply them in very different ways. Now, uh, January 21, um, that, that Saturday, we're, we'll have a, um, another listening class, just how to listen. A great opportunity for folks uh, to come, get a refresher. A number of you have taken that class, uh, taken a number of times. It's always helpful. Every time I, I take it, it's a, a reminder of, oh, yeah, it's really hard at times to sit down and really listen to someone, to put them in the spotlight and not me. And need that refresher. So in, encourage you. Um, you'll be hearing more about that. Uh, that's uh, all the way into next year. Um, uh, but uh, January 21st, we'll be having that listening class. So, as, the fo- as followers of Jesus, those who are brothers and sisters in Christ, we will have disagreements. We will have disputable matters, personal convictions that, that seem to be almost diametrically opposed But as we explore them, we find they, they come from the same foundation and core values, but from a, just a very different perspective. When you find yourself in this kind of disagreement with one another, first, is it a disputable matter? Determine, is it a disputable matter? Then, for yourself, be sure you've done the work of seeking God's direction for you. Your personal conviction. And then finally, follow the core values that Paul has given us here. Peacefully build one another up, even in disagreement. Let's pray. Almighty God, we do give you thanks for Jesus. We thank you for his life and death and resurrection. We we thank you for how he, because of his sacrificial death, has brought peace to us with you and with one another. And so we we ask as, as your followers, as your people, how do we live into that peace in the midst of disagreements and personal preferences and personal convictions? For we want to honor you. Lead and guide us in the ways of peace, in the ways of building one another up. Not denying or avoiding the disputable matters, but entering into them in respect and honor to you and one another. For Lord, we we know our world needs people who know how to disagree agreeably and and, and, and to do so without losing respect, without uh, disrespecting one another, without despising one another or condemning them. Uh, So, Lord, we, we want to be that people and that example, even to the, to the world around us. And, and gracious God, we thank you for Jesus, for he has made the path uh, to you uh, 
straight and, and clear, that, that we can approach you even with boldness and that you even command us to come ask and seek and knock. So we do. The, the different needs in our lives, health concerns, relational concerns, needs in our workplace, at school, in our homes, in our neighborhoods. Lord, we lift them before you. We, we pray uh, particularly for your continued healing on those in our midst. On we, we pray for Jerry Federley as he continues to recover. We, we pray uh, for uh, Cherie as she goes through uh, chemo treatment. Or we pray uh, for, for Danny who had a heart attack while on top of his house and fell off his house. We pray your hand upon him. We, we pray, Lord, for those who've suffered loss. We, we pray, particularly as we come into the holidays, how that loss and grief seems to become accentuated and magnified. Pray you'd be giving us eyes and ears to hear if that happens within us or if it happens in folks around us continue to help us be that place of peace and building one another up and Lord we also we give you thanks that we just went through another election this uh, last week and we know you are the one that's sovereign you're the ones that control and we pray for those that have been uh, elected uh, that you would lead and guide them so that they would be servants in their positions of of influence and power, that they would serve for the the common good. And we we thank you uh, as well this uh, week of uh, Veterans Day uh, for the, 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 the freedom that we do have to vote, to let our voice be heard and to give value to every voice. Continue to, to lead and, and guide us so that we uphold that value. Thank you in every way that you guide, direct us, and provide for us. We give you all glory and honor. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.